Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I am Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined by all of my awesome co-hosts this week. I'm Shane Kelly. I'm Nate Heininger. Laura Nash. And this week we're talking about arcade games on the Switch. So normally this show, our format is we pick a game, uh, something short with you know under 10 hours is our usual range, and we talk about that game pretty much exclusively for an entire episode. Here, we're going to be doing something a little different. Um, we all, I think, love the Switch. The Switch is a great con- uh, console for short games, and uh, I love playing games on my Switch. And I'm also a big fan of arcade games, arcade game compilations, and arcade game ports to consoles. And so I thought, uh, why don't we talk about where those two intersect? Arca- arcade games are kind of the ultimate short games in a way. And so... Uh, um, that's what we're going to be talking about this week. I got my kind of start with arcade games really in a non-arcade-y way. We did have sort of an arcade uh, when we were growing up, but it was in the Galleria Mall, which is a place I did not want to spend any time at all. Don't lie. They had an anime store in there. They did they have an, an anime, anime store. store? I, they also had an Apple store that I wound up working at. But uh, and, they had a, and they had a magic store. Do you remember the store that was like under the stairs that sold like magic tricks <laughs> when we were kids? Dude, that place was so sick. That place was I think, so you remember how sick. This sounds like Can you're making like this up. Can we change to a different podcast and just be talking about stuff that used to be in the Galleria? <laughs> you know, I would actually 100% listen to a podcast that was just about stuff that used to be in malls. Stories about malls, total sidetrack, but yes, Shane, continue. Mall history. But I didn't really play that much uh, in the arcade, which was the tilt. When I was in the tilt, I was very focused on getting uh, tokens and coins with which to purchase prizes. Uh, But arcade games themselves were mostly a thing you'd see at like a gas station here and then, and and they might have like a big buck hunter or something, and it's not something that ever appealed to me. But once I realized emulation was a thing um, and that I could try out a lot of these arcade games, uh, that's when I really got my start with arcade games. So that was probably around the early 2000s. It's kind of come full circle. I've gotten, I got really into arcade games for a while. I tried out like every arcade game I could download for the MAME emulator. Uh, and then I kind of cooled on it. And, and lately, a lot of these re-releases on the Switch um, are drawing attention back to arcade games in some, you know, some of them are pretty interesting. Like I, I remember when they released the kind of Super Mario, not Super Mario, it's just Mario Brothers, I guess, arcade version for the Nintendo Switch. That made a big splash. And then uh, the release of Donkey Kong on the Switch also was making a big splash, right? So I think it's fun that we get a chance to talk about some of these cool old games. And and doing this, I've discovered some games I never would have played anyway. So thanks for setting this topic up, Reagan. Yeah, my my background on this is a little different. Although, I mean, we grew up together. Obviously, I went to the Tilt as well, but I never worked in that mall. So I didn't spend the kind of time around there that, that you did. But um, for me, I, I didn't really play a lot of arcade games until the PS2 era. And the PS2 is actually a really good console for arcade ports. So there, there are lots of great arcade game collections for the PS2. There was like, you know, I think three volumes of like Midway classics, two volumes of Capcom classics. There was uh, two volumes of Taito classics. And what I really love about that, and you don't see that so much anymore, although you're starting to a switch is very exciting to me. The, these sort of compilations are coming back, but um, back in that era, you, you know, buy this disc for 20 bucks that would have, 30 games on it. 
and not just the games, but they would be presented with some material around them to kind of contextualize them. Not always really well, but um, sometimes quite interestingly. You know, you at the very least you'd get a little sheet that would describe the game. Sometimes that's very helpful. And uh, sometimes, if you were lucky, you'd get little videos that were about the people who created the game, or maybe just a gallery of artwork that went along with the game. Things like uh, like console side or uh, you know cabinet side art, things like that. And I really, really like that experience of just sort of. Um, I never had the opportunity to go into arcades until I was an adult and arcades were this kind of retro thing. Like Laura was talking about going into barcades and things like that, but, but, uh, arcade compilations and collections on consoles are something that's well, like, it's not really right. Chuck E. Cheese off completely Reagan. <laughs> I mean, like you said, that was all a redemption games thing, man. Like what, when we were kids in the nineties, Nobody was going into an arcade to play, uh, to put quarters into a Neo Geo machine. I mean, they probably were somewhere because those games were being produced into the 2000s. But, like, they weren't a thing, really, where we were. It was all yeah. about, like, crane I mean, games and David Buster was yeah, even, a casino. <laughs> yeah. Even when I, well, I was working in the mall, um, and I would go down to the tilt on my, uh, on my lunch break uh, with, a, with a bunch of quarters – I was putting my change into skee-ball uh, and I was saving tokens or uh, tickets in my locker at work. And <laughs> like sorry, a real adult short side, tra- <laughs> side track, but I had been saving for months, months. I'd filled my locker with tickets because I wanted the die cast space shuttle that they had. And just as I was realizing, I probably had enough tickets stashed in my locker the tilt closed forever. Oh no. Oh. No. And that's when you realized it was selling for 14.99 on Amazon. <laughs> I don't want to know how much or little I spent on that ski ball or what the actual MSRP of a diecast space shuttle is. Thank you. I'm writing this down for Christmas. Diecast space shuttle done. I also spent a fair amount of time in a tilt as a kid, as well as Chuck E. Cheese and all the other places like that, um, like a Discovery Zone and Tumble Drum, I think is another one that was mm. around that had, you know, the sort of like combination playground or play bit, play pit and arcade areas. And I, I certainly, you know, spent the majority of my time seeking tickets. You know, I think of the ones where you just like literally drop a quarter in and hope it knocks. Uh, more quarters into the thing. Oh yeah. So that so mm-hmm. that you can maybe take that quarter or token and use it on the thing where you roll it down. It's like a bowling alley, and you just hope you hit the pin that has the highest number on it. And one of my most uh, fond childhood memories is a machine that was fu- uh, malfunctioning somehow, where it was paying out like three or four times the tickets. Oh. And so no. I I hit the one hundred pin on that game, and it paid out like 400 something tickets. It was nuts. I had to like sit and loop the tickets into a nice stack as they were coming out so that they wouldn't just like sprawl everywhere and I could guard them from any anyone else that was coming around and oh also try to like, I don't know when you're like eight or whatever, you kind of feel like it's a crime that it's, uh, <laughs> you got you know, away with something spewing tickets that, that fast. I mean, for me, I think the, quintessential arcade experience wasn't at an arcade it was at the weird like kid-friendly sports bar named skeeters that they would oh my god after soccer games yes yeah we'd get a giant table for everybody the you'd order fajitas and all of the kids would run to the four arcade games which was the area 51 shooting game a cruise in usa game and like 
two other machines that I clearly never played. I can tell you and exactly you what else they had. First place, I played. Yeah, you'd play until uh, your parents yelled at you. They had they had the uh, that they had the Star Wars uh, arcade game. Star Wars, that's the one. Yeah, with the with vector the, monitor. Yes. That game was amazing. So cool looking at the time. And they also had pole position, which I could never I could never not crash immediately in pole. That game's impossible. Yeah. It's I mean, it's a good uh, game and it's shout out to Skeeters. Yeah. I mean, Skeeters. none of these games are on the Switch as far as I know, I know. but so Skeeters I is great. Say, <laughs> I was gonna say I, I definitely always sought uh ticket games, but I did actually play a fair amount of the um, I don't I don't know if there's a genre for it, but it's like the giant multiplayer side, like beat em up games, you know, so like the Simpsons, mm, like game the was a X-Men, X-Men, Turtles, Turtles, all of that. Um, there was one that I can't remember the name of it, but it was two player and it you were like, it was very modern. There was like guns and you were fighting like while climbing up like a, a downtown building and you'd get like machine guns and stuff like that. I don't know. I remember one time getting like twelve dollars in quarters and me and a friend uh played that game for what felt like an eternity but really it was probably like a half an hour but for an arcade game that is an eternity Absolutely. Uh, so that those games have like i do think that has stayed with me because i love those um you know beat em ups and i also love multiplayer games and so when i would be in arcades i was often trying to find like you know friends to play those games with in the arcade and that was if I wasn't getting tickets, that's what I was going for. I remember going to a Fuddruckers, which is a kind of a burger restaurant chain thing. And they had uh, they had a machine called Cowboys of Moo Mesa, which was a Capcom game that was kind of a spinoff of uh, of a TV show. There's a, a like a, a show that was a knockoff of the Turtles where it was literal like anthropomorphic cow people who were also cowboys, even though that's not that's weird. Oregon, they're cowboys. I don't know how it could be more clear. I know, right? Uh, the game was pretty much a uh, a clone of an earlier Capcom, or excuse me, a Konami game called uh, Sunset Riders. So it's basically Sunset Riders rebranded with the Cowboys of Mumesa. And that was a pretty Branded, good game. pun. Oh, God. Very good. Oh, God. <laughs> not Much intentional. Um, and, and that game, uh, I remember one of my most vivid arcade memories ever was, I don't know how we discovered this, but I also don't know if it was this specific machine or whether this is something in the Cowboys of Mumesa games across the world. There's not a lot of these games. And unfortunately, this game isn't even emulated or at least not well by MAME. So I haven't played it in a long time. But there was a bug where when it was counting down, uh, uh, like if you lost your, you know, if you lost a life and it was counting down, asking you if you wanted to put in a new coin, if if all four players, it was a four player game, just fucking slammed the buttons and wiggled the joysticks like crazy. Like you had to really mess with it. Like you're going to break the machine and everybody had to do it all at once. Then everybody would get a free play. So one person could put in a quarter, <laughs> die immediately. And then everybody would wail on the joysticks and everything. And everybody would get in and play. So we how played did that. How'd you figure that out? What do you do if you have no quarters in an arcade? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's how we figured it out. It's like we were just kids just, you know, mad that we lost our life on the game and like slamming the buttons and the and the stick around with no purpose. There may have been some kind of actual code to put in to do this, uh, but we don't know what we didn't know what it was. We just sort of slammed the buttons and it eventually would happen. Um and I, I haven't been able to find any reference to this online. I always as an adult, I thought back on it, it was like, I'm sure. That this is something that people have written about on the internet, right? This must, I'm, I can't be the only person that discovered this. I have never found any reference 
to that being a thing in the Cowboys of Mumesa arcade game anywhere that I've looked over years. So I don't know. Did you check Mumesapedia? (laughs) (laughs) It was probably a short in that one machine. And when you guys were just shaking the hell maybe but it was it was extremely repeatable we did it on multiple visits to this uh to this fuddruckers over i think several years um and then eventually finally that game went away and uh this is like a story you tell when you're in a job interview to be a tester by the way (laughs) like this is an example of something like should you ever interview for that role this is the story you tell and everyone's like it's innate to (laughs) maybe he was born this way uh it's in my bones i was born to be a cow boy they got Uh, they got rid of the game the you know mr fuddruckers somewhere is like we're losing our shirts on cowboys (laughs) of blue mesa Clearly. Yeah, and, and they're like, yeah, maybe this game just doesn't bring it in. Maybe it's the fact that it's a, a rebranded <laughs> arcade game on a property that no one cares that about. No one now. watched. I can't. No one cares about the Cowboys of Mumesa, a complete knockoff of the Ninja Turtles in a cowboy setting. Uh, Literally the first time I've ever heard of this. <laughs> yes, brand new to me. Man, you're really missing out. It was. Uh, it was actually like honestly, you're if not. I could have any arcade game in my any? house. And You're going to say that now. It would be Cowboys of Mumesa. <laughs> I really wish I could find a Cowboys of Mumesa machine for a reasonable amount of time. Oh, no. Uh, you man. can build your own. I'll be honest. It was a, it, I, I have some fond memories of that game, and I, I believe it would probably hold up. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a pretty solid uh, game. Uh, Sunset Riders is pretty fun. I play that every now and then. It's great. Guys who are porting stuff to Switch, uh, listen up. We get, we get a hot ticket item for you. I think the... I think the fact that uh, that Konami is what it is today is like we're more likely to get a uh, Cowboys of Mumesa Pachinko machine than we are to get the game ported to Switch. <laughs> All right, so now that we're 17 minutes into this episode, enjoy <laughs> recording this into something that's like a two minute discussion because <laughs> no, you know you're gonna have no, to. This no. is the intro. <laughs> Almost all of that is going in. Mm, is should it? <laughs> there was a part where we just reviewed. Places we liked eating when we were kids. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, this is that capital C content that people come here for. So there's a few things about the Switch as an arcade platform that I kind of wanted to highlight before we dive into talking about specific games. Um, because I think the Switch is a really great system for arcade games um you know i I previously thought that the ps2 was like the best console for arcade games mostly just because there were a lot of good arcade games released on it but the switch has some unique stuff about it that makes it really good for arcade games um obviously it's portable and so you know when you want to pick up and play a game uh arcade games are perfect for that you know it's great to be able to quickly flip over to play a couple of rounds of uh, city connection uh when i get frustrated with something like uh the dark souls remastered or something it's a great little release valve to have that on the same console and and the the system also has some physical characteristics that i think make it really good for arcade games obviously it has enough buttons and stuff and that's that's good uh but uh Something that I've that you see a lot with the uh, with the Switch is that almost all of the games that are originally were originally released with a vertical orientation for the screen have the option to rotate the screen, and the Switch is the only console ever, as far as I can think, that has, or except for the Atari Lynx, that has a rotatable screen. You can take the screen off of your Switch, lean it up against something, or use something cool like the Flip Grip. The Flip Grip is a is a uh, little piece of plastic that lets you use the Switch with the screen rotated 90 degrees. Um, 
lets you play those old arcade games with a vertical screen orientation, things like shoot 'em ups and uh, lots of stuff, even things like Big Dug, with their original screen orientation. That's something you've never been able to do on any console uh, to date. So the Switch actually has all this stuff going for it as an arcade machine. Um, and I think people are responding to that because there's a lot, a whole lot of arcade ports to Switch. Um, I'm going to have a link in the show notes to, uh, I, I've been putting together a list. I was just curious one day and I was like, I wonder I wonder if I could come up with a list of all of the arcade games on the Switch. And so I sat down and it took a couple of hours and I did it. And there are several hundred, I actually need to go back and count, but there are a ton of arcade games ported to Switch. Some of them as part of collections and some of them released individually as things like the Arcade Archive series. Um, So I've got a list that I've put together of all of the Switch ports of arcade games that are out as of right now. Uh, You can check it out. Um, But for the rest of this episode, we're going to be talking about some specific games that either we've played either to kind of chat about on this episode or that we think are worth kind of pointing people towards. And I got to say, you're doing the Lord's work, Reagan. Oh, I thank you, Shane. (laughs) Absolutely. As someone who um, I've had one of those office arcade cabinet consoles where they load it with 600 games and I've seen so many people walk up to it, look at it terrified and play Pac-Man. So anything you can do to... um, I think there's a lot of games people just don't know what's good and what's worth playing. I, I know I didn't, and I had to rely heavily on Reagan for that. Yeah, we have one of those at my office as well. And uh, that's exactly what you see. People will walk up to the machine. They will see that there's a list of a thousand games on it, and they will always, always play Pac-Man. And uh, I, at my office, we have one that has a really clever uh, design on it. It has like a fake game art on it for some kind of uh, fake uh, Canadian bear wrestling game. (laughs) Um, But I found out that if you, they left the key in it, you can open the cabinet and inside is a very jankily hooked up Windows PC. Yep. uh, And you can load ROMs onto it. So I put Puyo on there. Nice. Very nice. You know, What you guys talk about there, the sort of paralysis of like the that's the problem with MAME. You know, people think like, oh, well, you know, I just need to build a MAME cabinet or maybe I'll just boot up MAME on my PC or something. And then I have access to all the arcade games in the world. And it's actually kind of a terrible experience. And that's kind of why I really like these arcade collections. The Switch has kind of a mix of arcade collections and individual downloads. And I tend to prefer the collections because even if it is just like. There's value even in just the curation of somebody sat down and said, well, here are the most interesting 15 games from the first 30 years of the company SNK. Or here is the Namco Museum Collection, which has maybe, I think, uh, like seven or eight games in it. It's not a huge selection, but they're they're chosen by a human being. You know, there's something really valuable about and even the curation of just like what do they decide to port to the Switch, which There's not a lot of curation going on there. There's some pretty oddball stuff that I'm not sure anybody was specifically asking for ported to the Switch. Uh, Just wait till we talk about the game I played for this. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to hear how that worked out. (laughs) Talk about curation. But like curation is really important when it comes to like arcade games. And that's why I think these like ports of arcade games to consoles are not the lesser thing. Um, You know, nobody reasonable is going out and collecting arcade boards there are people who do that but like normal people (laughs) 
They're not reasonable, though. Right. They are, they're very unreasonable. <laughs> it costs hundreds of dollars to get an arcade PCB, plus, like, you know, it, uh, even if you're just... frankly unreasonable. PCBs, it's just ridiculous. And, uh, and you know, maim... Those of you who are listening at home cannot see the shelves behind Reagan in our Skype chat right now, uh, which contain hundreds of dollars of, our, of non-arcade PCBs. Uh, Twist! Let me me just say, collecting console games, reasonable. Collecting arcade games, unreasonable. That's my line. And I I stand by it. Um, So anyway, I I, I wanted us to talk about some specific games that are on the Switch that are interesting and worth playing today. And maybe add a little bit of context about them so that uh, if you're kind of vaguely interested in playing an arcade game on your Switch but not sure where to look, uh, you might have we might have some ideas for you here. Um, and so we've each kind of picked one or two games or maybe three, and uh, we're going to talk about them. And I also have towards the end of the episode um, a, a kind of a larger list of games kind of categorized by what you might be into. So if you're into a particular genre or something, a few things that are on the Switch that you might want to check out. So, um, Shane, do you want to start with what you played? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I got a chance to play a game that you have told me about before, and I had seen and almost kind of written off a little bit because it looks really, uh, it looks extremely dated to modernize, um, but the charm is there, and it's an incredible game, actually, once I got into it. The game is called City Connection, and it is an arcade game uh, from uh, a company called... I think it's Jellico. Jellico. Jellico Cats. And yeah, it was made in 1985. Uh, it's a platformer where you are a car. Um, and I had to look this up a little bit. Um, so the game is called City Connection because you are driving a Honda City, um, <laughs> which is a little hatchback and, you know, little, I, I had, had a little personal connection there because apparently the Honda City was known in Europe as the Honda Jazz. Uh, and the Honda Jazz, at least the current version of it, is known in the U.S. as the Honda Fit, which is my car. So uh, I was kind of excited. It actually still looks like it's a little hatchback, which basically what I drive, except mine isn't cool orange. Um, but in City Connection, uh a lore wise, if you apparently read the Japanese card on the arcade machine that I've never seen, uh, you are a woman named Clarice who is going around the world um, and decides that, well, what better way to remember her trip than by painting all the roads uh, as she goes? You know, that is a completely different uh, like arcade game story. These games sometimes have stories. That's completely different than what I thought. I thought the guy was, I thought it was a guy trying to rescue his girlfriend. Maybe that's different in the. So in the Nintendo version, uh, it is a little different because instead of Clarice in that, you are some random blonde guy. Prefer Uh, Clarice, prefer Clarice. Yeah, I am more of a fan of Clarice's city uh, trip. Now uh, I very much wish that random uh, blonde guy version of this game had more Clarice in it. Both stories are both stories are good because the the guy the random blonde guy uh, stole a lot of paint and is running from the cops, uh, <laughs> and the paint is dripping out of his car onto the road. But what in, a horrible in getaway! Case, <laughs> yes, it's very bad. Just take take like a minute and make it stop dripping, and your getaway is going to be a lot better. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> really, really, really. Clarice bad. is a lot smarter. <laughs> yes, Clarice's Clarice's tourism is much better. Um, and so in this game, um, you paint the streets, uh, and the car can jump. Uh, it can jump like eight times its height. Um, and the goal of each level is to basically drive over every inch of the level and paint all of it. Right. Um, you are being chased by various cars. Uh, in the arcade game, the cars change from level to level, as does the background. Um, and so you like you start off in New York and there's cars everywhere. They're all taxis in New York and they're all chasing you. Um, you also you die if you are hit by a car. Uh, you also die if you hit a cat. Same. Uh, and there are cats just sort of randomly in the street. Um, and if you hit one of them, then the cat um, slowly drifts diagonally off the screen uh, while the soundtrack changes to Turkey in the Straw. <laughs> uh, I love the music in this game. Yes, it does have very good music. I, I have to I have to interrupt for a second to talk about how much I love the music in this game because um, the NES version of this game has great music, but the arcade version is, I mean, different but also great and has more variety. Uh, and something that I didn't find out about until I'd been playing this game for at least over a year uh, and really enjoying it is that the music is a chip tune. So each level has each level is a different city, and there are different versions of the background music that are meant to kind of. Uh, so the, if you're in the New York level, it's meant to sound like rock, or if you're in the uh, in the the like London level, it's meant to sound a little more classical. Um, but it's always the same song in different chiptune versions. And I found out later that they're all chiptune remixes, essentially of um, Tchaikovsky's Piano Chick Concerto Number no. One. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yes, of, of Tchaikovsky. And it's a, uh, I'll have a, a, a piece in, in fact, I'm going to drop some music into the show just so you can hear this. But I, I absolutely love this chiptune rendition of Tchaikovsky. And uh, the music in this game is just, mwah. I, like, it's one song and you'd think you'd get really annoyed with it. But I, I love it. And I, I never get tired of this, uh, this background music in this very simple arcade game. <laughs>
the things I really like about the gameplay here. Oh, I forgot to mention one thing, which is you're also picking up oil cans, which mm. you can then shoot uh, at the cars, which causes the cars to spin wildly out of control. And then if while they are spinning, you hit them, you get bonus points. Yes. And also the uh, the, the balloons. Yes. That's one more thing. The, there are three balloons in each level. And if you hit all three of the balloons, then it sends, I think, it just sends you to a random level. Yeah, it warps you forward um, to a random level. I think all the levels are in random order. Uh, I didn't really notice a pattern. You're definitely going all over the world. You wind up everywhere from like New York to London uh, to the Taj Mahal. Um, and in every case, you're being chased by these cars and the same cat is everywhere. Um, the whole kind of feel of the game is kind of interesting and different because it's sort of a maze game. You know, because it's, but you're, but it's sort of a platformer too, because you can make the car jump uh, very high, and you're also constantly moving. You can't just you can't just sit still in this game. Um, so it has a really frantic, fast paced feel. Um, but the controls are really good. The car can turn on a dime. Like if you tur- if you change directions, the animation for this is actually quite good. The 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 car just sort of like rares up on two wheels and like flips around and turns the and goes the other way. You have a, like a moment where if you are trying to turn around, like the car is going through this animation of like flipping around and, and you're kind of stuck for a second. So, um, you know, all of it, it's hard to say what is, what is so satisfying about the game. It's just a very, it just has good play. Like the, the game feel is really good looking at this game. I would not think, oh boy, that looks like an entertaining game. Uh, I would think quite the opposite because it, uh, I mean, it's it, pretty basic. I would say visually, yeah, it's extremely basic. It's more basic even than like, uh, maybe one of my arcade point of references here is Mappy. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of like, I don't know if you guys have played Mappy, but this is visually kind of like Mappy where you're a, like Mappy is a car now. Yeah, Mappy is now a car. Uh, you're still running away from cats. Um, <laughs> Actually, uh, I think I was tweeting back and forth about this game with uh, the game designer uh, Anna, the, um, Anna Anthropy uh, on Twitter a while back, and I forget exactly how she phrased it, but uh, what she praised this game for being a game about um, hating cops and respecting cats, and I think that's a really that's really appropriate. This is it's not about running away from cats, Shane. It's about valuing the cats and making sure that you don't hit them with your cool Honda. But fuck balloons, though. Yeah. <laughs> In this game, is there an option to continue when you die? Uh, I mean, to like insert yeah, another have, coin. You have three lives, and I I don't know. I didn't really. I've never played this game anywhere where I could put more coins in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think the Arcade Archives series of uh, games, this is released as part of the Arcade Archives series from Hamster. Um, side note, uh, I'll, I'll be talking a little bit about some of the different sort of releases or or series of games, like who's putting these things out on Switch. And pretty much the gold standard for the, as far as the single game, one at a time, individual download releases is, it Hamster's Arcade Archives series is the gold standard. They're great. And they, they do a really good job with the ports. They're all really like fluid and, you know, I haven't seen any emulation issues with them. Um, I believe the Arcade Archives games let you just map a, map a button to 
coin. And so I think you can put as many coins in as you want, but I'm not sure for sure about this one because I don't usually do the continue on this one. This is a game that I like to play as a score attack. And so I like to see exactly, like I, I write down my, I have a, I have a note on my phone uh, where I keep track of my scores for this, both in the NES port and the uh, and the arcade port. And so I, I like to keep track of like what my high score is on this game. And so I usually do exactly one coin. So I'm not 100% sure, um, but I, I do think- and is can, this a healthy behavior? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the point of this game would be if you're not trying to like best your personal scores, because it's not like there's really progression. It's not like there's like a next level you can get to. Maybe if you're really interested in seeing more of the different cities and hearing the slight variations on the background tune, um, but it's just sort of not what the game is about, really. So um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I played it without caring about that and just sort of as a Zen activity. And if you if you find Zen in this kind of game, you probably will enjoy this one as well. So thank you, Shane, for giving me an opportunity to talk about City Connection on a podcast. City Connection is one of my favorite games of all time. And I I never I mean I've never had an opportunity to talk about it on a podcast before because it's too slight for a whole episode. So Thank you. I love City Connection. Everyone should play it. Um, if you don't play this version, the NES port is also absolutely fantastic. It's a little simpler, but it's yep. basically the same. And I will say the Arcade Archive uh, version of it, although I find these Arcade Archives to be a little bit spare, like they don't really go all out in terms of presentation. Uh, it does a very good job and it has some nice amenities. It does give you things like uh, different difficulty levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really get to play around much with that. But, Online uh, leaderboards. Yeah. Usually they give you, yes. um, if there's like a, a, for example, like a US and a, and a Japanese version of the game, you usually get both or sometimes you get multiple versions. So for example, like uh, uh, the Donkey Kong port has, I, I don't remember what all version, but it has like three or four versions of the game. So they, they do, they do put a lot of effort into them. Yeah, I don't know. I couldn't really figure out the online leaderboards. They had two for this game. One is for the highest pointer and the highest runner. All right, first off, I don't know what a pointer really I think is. I, assume I think it's, it's uh, most points and like most distance driven. Okay. All right. Well, top, top marks. Go get your Honda City. So, uh, I can talk a little bit about a game that I played uh, for this, and I've also played many times in the past, and that's uh, Twinkle Star Sprites. This was probably the one that I was most excited to see released on the Switch, because it's a game that I go back to all the time. I have the, I don't have, I have a bootleg copy of the Saturn version of this game, which is great. Um, and it's uh, it's been released on a few platforms every now and then, but it's, uh, it's still kind of hard to get your hands on. So it's great to see this on the arcade archives um, for just, $7 or $8 as a download. Twinkle Star Sprites is a shoot 'em up, but it's in the sort of cute 'em up subgenre of shooters. So it's it's a shoot 'em up, but it's very cutesy. You play as a little witch who's got like a cute bow in her hair and she's uh she's a very cute little like anime character. Um it has a story but nobody cares. Um the the thing's really unique about Twinkle Star Sprites is that it's a versus two-player shooter. So uh shoot 'em ups of course, you know, you bottom of the screen shooting up towards the top everybody knows what those are um this you've got the screen divided in half with a great big line and you're always playing either against a cpu or another player and both of you are playing your own independent separate little shooter games on both sides of the screen um but like something like tetris or puyo puyo or other sort of versus puzzle games where this kind of crosses with those is that 
as you shoot the enemies that are coming towards you, you're trying to pull off combos where you're killing or shooting um, chains of enemies all at once. And when you do that, it sends those enemies as an attack over to your opponent's screen. Um, and then they have the opportunity, if they can destroy those that you sent over to them, to send it back to you as a reverse attack. And there's actually sort of a ping pong or tennis kind of mechanic to this, where you're, um, you're trying to pull off uh, combos of enemies and trying to send them over to your friend's screen or to your, you know, to the CPU opponent's screen. Um, and it has some other kind of twists and it's got a lot of like mechanics to it that I don't totally get to the, get all of them um, because I'm not that good at the game. I always enjoy playing it, but I'm not, I'm not a master at this by any stretch, but, uh, but things like, for example, if, if you bounce a attack back and forth several times, it turns into what called a boss attack where it sends this kind of large character over to your opponent's screen as an attack. And those vary depending on what character you're playing as, which is kind of fun. Um, and there's a lot of other little stuff like that in this. Overall, I would say this is just a super fun game if you like shooters and you don't necessarily love the sort of like, um, you know, every shooter is some variation on like, I'm flying a spaceship through an alien dungeon of intestines. And this is not that. It's very cute. I mean, is, is that yeah. just a shout out to our type? We've all done it, that. It is, but also all of all the other, of the ones, other yeah. stuff. Like Gradius and... Yeah, there's a I million. Mean, they're, they're all like that. Um, whereas like this is ultra cute ultra cute and super fun, particularly if you play two players. Against the CPU, um, it becomes very hard very fast. So you might very well beat the very first sort of NPC character you play against, but you're probably not gonna beat the second one. Um, play this against another person and you'll have a really, really good time. Uh, and this is a this is part of the Arcade Archives uh, Neo Geo series. So it's a really good port, highly recommended. All right, so uh, I'm happy to talk about the one game that I played and the first, a little backstory. So Reagan, um, as we've said a couple times now, he really prepped for this episode for us. He provided this whole list of like uh, games that are, you know, available. And then like, here's games that look really good. Or here's classics that have been re-released. Here's games that you we should do because, you know, we're we're trying to cover good games. And I said, cool. Let me look at the list of all the games that are available. <laughs> <laughs> and and one stuck out of me stuck out to me and i said nope sorry reagan i'm doing 2020 super baseball and <laughs> you had to pick up you, you had to like go through the list and find what looks the worst on here <laughs> <laughs> uh to maybe to you as a as a longtime baseball game fan um, and a fan from that era of the games where you get to a like a built into the game is you can like attack the other team, you know, if you play like mutant league football. Mm. Um, so it, it actually was appealing to me. I, you know, this was eight dollars that I spent for this because it was a standalone and I thought that it was going to be a, a good investment and something that I could come back and talk about. Maybe the evolution of baseball games or something like that. I don't know what's worse, this game or my ability to play it. But <laughs> this was a very, very challenging game. I lost my first game 48 to nothing. No. <laughs> which is a football <laughs> score. Have you ever heard of that score in a real baseball game? Except for it the ones will... they show in trivia at the like on the big screens. It's like in 1917, somebody yeah. scored 48 no. points. 
Oh and my they at god, least, Nate. At least the other team normally has at least one. It is This game is impossible. So for, <laughs> <laughs> for a number of reasons. So one... Every- Before you go into it, I, I need to know, like, what's different about sports next year? What's different about baseball in the far distant year? I know, 2020. right? Year I, was also, I was also thinking about that, too. Well, uh, there are there are robots, and there are <laughs> things in the outfield called crackers, which I'm going to talk about. But um, this game was a mess and kind of delightful, <laughs> but really, really hard to play and mostly frustrating. So... First of all, so it's a port, and so I know that they're like, you know, it's a re-release of a game, but I feel everything moves so damn fast that it was impossible to tell what was going on at almost any time. There's actually like little cutscenes and little like, okay, this is what's going to happen, and this is what this means, and this is what this means, and this is what this means, because and but it went by so fast that I could never read any of it. So I'm like... <laughs> Please, game, just slow it down. Whenever you were porting, <laughs> why didn't they slow these scenes down? Uh, like, to give you an example, they would, in between every inning, like a robot thing would come up and say, the crackers have been placed. And they would give you, <laughs> they would give you a, a, an outline of the outfield with all these little things on it that are called crackers. I don't know if that's bad translation or what. Um, but they're that's bombs. racist. They're they're landmines is what they are. Um, and, and so, first of all, everything moves so fast that it's hard to tell what's actually going on. Um, so but it, the game is basically it, it's like baseball set in the future, obviously, at that time, the future and that you play against um, like there's robots on your team. Um, there's. Uh, you can upgrade people like everything that you do. If you get like a strike or a hit or whatever, you earn money and then you can use that money to upgrade your team. And it all actually like in the heart of it. Like, I think there's some cool stuff, but it's just so impossible. There's like some things that modern baseball games have done that this game, obviously, you know, it came out in like the late eighties or whatever. Didn't know how to do, which is when a ball is hit, uh, hit in the air the camera follows the ball and what it does is it the control you control whatever like player is closest to the ball in that time but you can't see any of the other players unless they're on the screen so what happens is if they hit it in the air it'll be like okay the second baseman it went above his head so you're playing as the second baseman and you're running like back after it but then it'll switch it no, as soon as the screen enters into the outfield where maybe the outfielder Wherever he was or she, there is, uh, you know, the the game has evolved in 2020 because it's both men and women playing. Um, You know, it's a brighter, it's a better future. Finally, And yeah, finally, robots, women, everyone (laughs) on the field. Um, Robots and women? (laughs) uh, And And crackers. (laughs) And crackers. And, but then the camera will, so then you gain control of wherever that outfielder was when the screen touched him and you might've been running like right because that's where the ball's going. But then the guy that you take over is like on the other side of the screen. And now you're running the other way from where you meant to. So it's basically impossible to catch a fly ball. And there are these pads out there that if you, there's a jump, if you jump, it springs you like 30 feet in the air, but the animation for that is super, super slow. So if you do it 
and you miss, the ball just bounces way away, and you're like, okay, I guess I got to wait for my guy to, to land before I can go and grab the ball oh. and try to throw it in. And there's like oh two... There's like two buttons, you know, there's throw and then there's hit. Of it's, course. It's just, it was, I, so I would spend like 20 minutes trying to get, to get them out and get out of an inning. And then when I would go out at bat, I would like strike out or hit because they know how they can control their own game. They would catch everything that I hit. So I was unable to score a run. And whenever I was pitching, I would give up. 48 runs. <laughs> it was the game was uh. it was taxing. So then I started thinking, okay, so this is a game where you can like hurt the other team. So like in Mutant League football, there was a way that you could win or at least like gain an advantage by trying to kill everyone else on the other team. And then they would have like literally less players and so you'd have like a better chance. So I was like, "Oh, okay, maybe this game does that." Um, and, and, but I couldn't figure out what, how it worked because every time I would hit, you see, you know, in baseball, you, you hit, you could, you could very clearly control where the pitch is going. So you could hit the other team intentionally. Well, they got a thousand dollars every time you hit them and you lost a hundred dollars. And so they would immediately use that money to make their guys better. And if you hit a robot player twice though, they would explode. <laughs> so I was like, okay, cool. So I just got to kill all their players before I before the end of the game. I don't know. But they always seem to replace them. So all I was doing was giving them more money and reducing my money. So they were getting more and more and more powerful while I was getting less and less powerful. So I could not – I was like, why, what, why can I blow up their robot if there's – if it only – hurts me i don't know i assume that there's some sort of complex ecosystem in this game that does or maybe complex isn't the right word but there has to be a way that i could like utilize this and take out players but i could not i could not figure it out and i was so bad at it and it was so impossible to tell what was going on that i highly recommend you all go and buy this game right now <laughs> I am so ill-equipped to understand. Like, there's there's no chance as someone who's basically n- has no baseball game, video game experience. I'm sure well, this you would, would be. Think, so the modern baseball games are very complicated, and they try to emulate the game. Like, you know, there's a lot of decisions mm-hmm. that are going on. You know, it's a game of inches. Everything is like. You you know you you have like a lot of placement on the pitches. Everything has to be perfect. Like modern baseball games are like a ver- a combination of like quick time events and like planning games. And they're like they, if you enjoy baseball, they're fun. You would you would so I could see that being overwhelming for a uh, for someone who's not into baseball. If you picked up a modern baseball game like MLB The Show or something like that, yeah, that's like way too much. It'd be really really hard to play. You would think a baseball game from like 1988 where there's two buttons and like that's really all that's going on is hit the ball, catch the ball. You would think that that would be approachable. This one is very much not. Also, they do. So it's I think it's the arcade classics thing. Um, They clearly wanted you to just have to put money into this game all the time, because Mm -hmm. even in the port, it will interrupt mid like fly ball or pitch coming at you uh be like give me a coin yeah it'll be like 10 9 8 so even if you maybe are doing okay on the timing in that 
pitch or in that catch, it felt like there was like a one in three chance that it was going to be interrupted by the timer counting down. Oh, and you had, to like, you had to like reset your entire thing. Uh, Might have just been that I was so bad at it that everything felt like really, really long. But it seemed like it was timed to be like, it only goes when you're like mid like moment. <laughs> People think mobile games have bad monetization. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh my god. These yes. old arcade games were really something. They're uh, sort of a so, middle point, right? Like I think that the 80s arcade games and into the early 90s were mostly pretty sane. It's not that they gave you a ton of gameplay for your quarter, but it's more just like they were really designed around like a play session being a single uh, you know, credit. Uh, and that like you'd play it for one credit and then you'd get your score and that was it. Whereas like, I think later on early two thousands, a lot of the, sh- it shifted to encouraging you to put more quarters in as you go, which isn't necessarily bad, particularly if you're playing on something like this, where you can put an endless number of quarters in, but it just is a different philosophy that like it, it is a little more like that mobile game, like whale kind of thing. It's not so much about yeah. like, let, let's get him to play another game. It's about, let's get him to pay more to continue the game. He's already in. Yes. Yeah. That's basically what mobile games, which have become the arcade games now. Yeah. Do. Yeah. Right. I, I would like the industry to return to Moo Mesa monetization. <laughs> Bring back Moo Mesa. Yeah. If you're in the yep. middle of your mobile game and you know, it's about to run out, you just like start, really throwing the phone around. <laughs> Smash your screen to continue. So I, I'm glad that I bought it for this like three minutes that I get to talk about it with you guys. Uh, but this is like maybe the... You know, Nate, I really tried to warn you. I really tried to steer you towards something else, but you would not listen. I'm really glad you bought it because I looked it up on Wikipedia and its cover art is certifiably insane so i'm just glad you bought it oh, yeah. so that we're gonna have 2020 pictures super baseball for the games we played and then yours which is some flyer from a european <laughs> concert you, and it's like a guy screaming and a robot playing baseball i don't understand it if you think i'm not gonna buy 2020 super baseball the moment it shows up on a list of games that we could maybe cover then you don't know me but i, I you did this to you did this to nate <laughs> i tried to warn you though <laughs> uh yeah it's a mess uh, uh, I, I, don't, I don't i don't think i don't think old say. 80s or 90s sports games really hold up and that i say that as somebody who's not a sports game guy so maybe i'm wrong and there's like gems i've, I've heard good things about like nhl 94 for example but like particularly yeah. arcade ones like i don't really see people going back to those very much well in it i i don't know it, it's it's so incomprehensible what is happening through like 90 percent of this game that i i don't know i feel like maybe there's a good game in there somewhere if you like start to understand how to what to do and how to utilize the money system because i do think that's like kind of interesting that you're like upgrading your baseball players throughout the game um, oh my god the 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 wikipedia article for this is like four pages long and has like three spreadsheets in it like oh my god heading number one cyber egg stadium absolutely <laughs> oh does oh. it have the team names on there because there were some very funny team names. no i don't see them i do love that if you scroll down to the bottom of the uh, wikipedia article it has a section with like over a dozen bullet points that says limitations <laughs> Wow, that is a lot of limitations. (laughs) Um, Anyway, anyway, this one is maybe not a recommend, but an interesting footnote. Thank you for thank you for letting me know all the details. 
Oh, I, I found the, uh, yes, I bet I found my favorite team name, which was Ninja Black Sox. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's an extremely yeah. good team name. There was also um, uh, Tropical Girls. <laughs> oh, my God. Metal, metal Slashers. Tokyo Samurais. American Dreams. There are jetpacks? They I have jetpacks? It says they have jetpacks. Yeah. Maybe you didn't get enough brains. of the money. <laughs> That's excellent. That's really good. And people can blow up. Yeah, there's a lot happening in this game. Oh, I kill I blew up a whole bunch of things, but it seemed to have it seemed to only benefit the other team, which didn't make any sense to me. But now that I, I never even looked at a wiki, so I am gonna look at this and maybe I'll tackle it again with a uh, better equipped to understand what's happening uh when the outfield gets laced with crackers. Nothing like a game that requires spreadsheets to play. I know. Okay, you know you know what our Obviously, we played more games than looking at the clock than we have time to talk about on this episode. I was going to say that everyone can, you know, come back and talk about something else. Or maybe, Nate, you could play a new game and come back. Nate, your homework is actually just to try and figure this out a little more. <laughs> I will win the 2020 World Series. We need we need, we need, need a report on how to win at this game. Laura, what did you play? Can you tell us something about that? Something that isn't a bizarre future baseball yeah, my I'm sorry, is... before we continue, before we continue, I am looking at the Wikipedia article for this. What would you guess is the cost of a robot that can play baseball? Why, I would give over $1,000 for such. Would Oh, uh, you're lowballing me. It's obviously $5,000. <laughs> I was going to say, I know this answer. <laughs> and I was never able to acquire $5,000. My enemy, however, was constantly able to. Wild. Oh, wow. Anyway. I played Outrun. Hell yeah. Outrun is a racing game. And it originally actually was in a actual little car with a steering wheel, but I think there's not much you lose when you played on the um, what is obviously a port from the 3ds because it, when you want to use the manual they make you like move move things like a cursor and click on buttons which I found hilarious I think it's really charming apparently it was just released in January so it's probably a super new release yeah it, it, it just came people. out uh, it came out since I started my list actually because it was I remember when I was putting my list together um, it wasn't out yet, and I saw that it was coming out, and I was extremely excited because Outrun is another one of my favorite arcade games of all time. Yeah, so the, a, a couple of things make it um, a really nice racer if you're looking for um, something straightforward. One is that uh, you do get to go super fast. Well, you do once you figure out how to shift into high gear, which took me about three plays. I was like, why don't I see any other cars? Uh <laughs> Because I couldn't figure out what button. I didn't know there wasn't, uh, but it was manual transmission, and I couldn't find the shift to high gear. Once I did that, the game was very different. I was going, instead of going like 80 miles an hour, I was going like 180. Um, Big, big difference. The other thing is the turns are really steep. There are cars and trucks on the road, and uh, you're not racing anybody else per se. You're just trying to get to the end of the course before time runs out. Yeah, that's why when I when I describe this game, I usually don't call it a racing game. I usually call it a driving game. Uh, you're racing the clock. 
What makes this really feel good is even though you're not competing against other people, you're still going extremely fast and you're trying not to hit other cars. And if you're me, you're not easing up on the accelerator when you're taking turns. But it's got all the calm nature where the only person you're fighting or racing is yourself, but you're also going way, 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 way faster than you would if you were not trying to beat the clock. Um, and the other cool thing is you're going on your own, um, it's kind of, they say it's non-linear in some places, but really you get these kind of forks in the road every, right before each checkpoint, you can go right or left. And depending on which way you go, you get an easier or hard track. And at the end, there's five different places you can end up. And your scoreboard even tracks what route you took. So if you go around, um, you know, right, right, left, left. And I tried to look up, of course, easiest outrun and people were debating. So it, it seems like it's actually, a, would be a really fun thing to debate in real life with your friends while you're trying to shove over and take over the steering wheel. Hmm. For me, I, I actually ended up adding a little more time to my clock because I wanted to see more of the game and I knew recording was coming up. And I will now go back to non-cheater mode where you have a minute. I didn't actually realize this port let you do that. Where do you, is that in the menus? Yeah. It's, uh, I hit a button, I found the settings, the actual settings menu, not the in-game settings menu. Mm. Those are two different things. And a couple things you can do is you can ease down the difficulty. I don't know what that did, I didn't try it, but you can give yourself on a scale from one to five different amounts of time. Nice. And you're set at 60 seconds when you start and you can bump it up to, I think all the way up to like 120 if you want. I just gave myself an, it basically just gives you more time at the start of the game. So if you are really having trouble, you can change that. Um, nice. Or if you're just trying to really get past a certain part and you're, you know, need more time for different reasons. Uh, don't let being mediocre at driving games keep you from playing this because it's super, super good. I, I love this game so much because of the feeling of the game. Like, I think um, the, the guy who uh, sort of was the lead designer on this, uh, Yu Suzuki, who was a big deal at Sega at the time, and, and uh, I think still or something. I don't know what he's up to these days, but he's, he, he's, a, he's a big deal. Um, he was... He talked about how he's trying to capture like the joy of driving uh, as opposed to something specifically about racing. And that's why you're not competing against other cars exactly, apart from just as obstacles to not hit. And also why you've got a girlfriend in the car that you're trying to impress. And I liked pretending like we were in British rules and I was had a hot boyfriend I was trying to impress and I was driving on the other side of the car. You know, this game has nice. a lot. This port it's from M2. Europe. It is, it is. This port has so many little options. I really wish that that had been an option to just switch the, the player, switch the character's positions. Yeah. Well, you can just pretend that he has a little toy steering wheel. Yeah, that's why I just <laughs> pretended like he was on the, because you can't see him like he doesn't move. He just has his arm up on the seat. So I was just like, oh, she's driving and he's just like being the arm candy. This works out well for me. The other thing about this game that I think is really notable and that like keeps me going back to it again and again is the music. Laura, did you have any favorite tracks? Oh, yes. Um, I had many favorite tracks. I was kind of moving around every single time. They're all kind of like synth wavy Latin-y. It, it feels like they were like, what music would you listen on a vacation, but also maybe in Europe? <laughs> it seems like they're trying Outrun to Outrun is it literally a subgenre of synth wave. Yes. Like there's a whole there's a whole outrun inspired like inspired by the soundtrack to this game. It's a whole thing. That is fantastic. And uh, the aesthetic of that is gets labeled as outrun is also like super hot. I uh, mean, 
Just think about the music, like maybe Miami Sound Machine, I think is what uh, Wikipedia says about it. But like, think about the music you'd listen to if you were in the 80s and wearing a pink shirt and driving a car, but also was composed on a video game soundboard. Because that's what music sounds like. I really liked Passing Breeze. Oh, yeah. Um, which is, but the, you can pick your tracks and they let you see the little thing, um, little hand moving the dial to different radio stations. And at the end, the last track, which I think is custom for the port, shows them putting in a tape deck, like a tape in the tape deck. I love that. So M2 is so good at these ports. Um, M2 is a company that has been doing ports mostly to the 3DS in the past of, uh, of arcade games. And the 3DS version of OutRun is great too, by the way, because you can get a- This uh, is a port, I think, of the 3DS version. Uh, I think they probably are using some of the same code, but there's new stuff in this that isn't in the, because I have both, and there's new stuff in this that is not in the 3DS version. Some new music options, some new settings options, uh, and also it's much higher res, because obviously the 3DS is like 320 by 240 or something. There's like a widescreen mode, yeah. Yeah, so there's, this is, I think, a little better than the 3DS version, even though the 3DS version has the 3D mode, which is actually kind of cool in super scalar games like this. Um... The, uh, but one of the things that I love about this is that they have like remixes of the tracks. So that thing with the tape, I, I think it's a remix of tracks. F- I'm not 100% sure about this. Cause yeah. Don't don't call me. In that wrong, secret, but. that secret settings menu actually has a music setting where I think you can enable more songs, oh, including nice. like remix versions of all of them. And, and I know that you get additional tracks when you beat the game. There's also if you beat the game you get all five endings, you can then also do an arcade mode where you get the original low-res graphics and they only let you listen to three tracks if you're a super purist. But you have to completely beat the game before they let you see purist mode. Yeah, but M2 just such a, such a, such a loving job with these. They're doing the entire arcade archive, or excuse me, they're doing the entire um, Sega Ages series. And a lot of those are not arcade ports. Some of them are things like the, the port of um, Fantasy Star. Um, but they're, none of them are just like straight up out the door. Let's put this in an emulator and put it on the Switch. They're all like ground up. Like, how can we keep this true to the original experience, but also add features that people today will appreciate? And Outrun is a great example of that. And it's, it's a yeah. really, really good port. But my favorite thing about the game, um, gameplay-wise, is that you um, are constantly making these sharp turns and there's a lot of elevation changes and it's all so that the second you go up a hill and go down there's a truck in front of you and you have to swerve <laughs> out of it like it, it's yep. definitely a game that's like you'll they'll put like the same animation of like a brick wall on the sides of you so you get almost like this weird tunnel vision effect happening where you kind of don't know where you are and then you emerge and there's three semis so it's a very like i don't want to say that just because you're not racing someone else it doesn't feel like you need to make a lot of split second decisions um yeah. i'm pretty sure you if you crash you can't make it all the way through at all but um you're gonna have a lot of fun if you crash a lot it's not like cruising usa like dead bodies and dead beer deer everywhere um it's very much like you and your girlfriend just kind of like look at each other and be like huh i got thrown to the ground and then you get back in the car and you keep <laughs> I was just that's so absurd. That animation is just so ridiculous. Where like the the Ferrari does like a triple backflip, and you end up ejected from the car, and then you and your girlfriend just get right back up. No big deal. Real good insurance. I threw one on. I, I froze on the game over screen in the air, and it was like game over. And the two of us are falling out of the car to our deaths. <laughs> like, Ouch. Yeah. I think this is one of those games that really holds up. So I'm, I'm so glad they ported it to Switch. 
Okay, so looking at the clock, we are already coming up on an hour, and I uh, so we had originally planned to talk about a few more games. This is just going to have to separate off into a separate episode, uh, which will probably be coming to you pretty soon because we're all prepped for it and everything. But what I wanted, <laughs> sort of, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sort of. No, when we're I, all. <laughs> No, uh, you just played the I robot just, baseball I game. just learned I am I am more prepped next time because I just read that. Um, so if you blow someone up, they lose all their upgrades. But every time you hit someone, they get $1,000, which goes right back towards those upgrades. upgrades. So I can't. Oh. I think it's worth it if they're super upgrade. I've got some number crunching to do, you guys. And next time, I hope to have only lost maybe 30 to nothing. I will report back. Got to play that money ball. Is this what's meant by money ball? <laughs> you both made the same joke. And yes, this is exactly uh, what they mean by money ball. So before we wrap up, uh, I we, we kind of chatted about what types of games are interesting to people who have different sorts of interests. You know, the, the thing about arcade games that can be difficult is like you might not know... Uh, we were just talking about that. Everybody walks up to the arcade machine with 600 games on it and everyone plays Pac-Man because everyone knows Pac-Man and you know, you can, you know, you can play it immediately and you're not going to, you're not going to uh, suffer like Nate did with baseball 2020. But uh, so there are, there's a lot of variety on the switch. And so I wanted to kind of go through some different categories, either genres or kind of categories of games and just a few things that if that category appeals to you might be the things you might want to check out. Um, so I'm going to kind of go through this kind of quick, but uh, if you're interested in shooters, uh, first of all, on the Neo Geo, uh, there's two great shooters. I've only played one of these, but I hear they're both great. Pulse Star and Blazing Star. And actually at the moment, I can't remember which one I played, but they're both good. Our um, type is uh, has a really good port. Actually, I haven't played this port, so I can't say that, but I, I think it was good when I uh, saw the version of it for the, this is a port of the version from the PS3 or Xbox 360 that's been re-released. It's called R-Type Dimensions EX, and it includes an updated quote-unquote version of R-Type 1 and 2, but also includes the original games if you don't like the quote-unquote updated graphics. And also, probably the biggest surprise is that uh, Psycho, was a uh, a sort of late 90s, early 2000s shooter developer that made a lot of games that for for either arcades or some also later for the um, the Dreamcast. Uh, and there's ports of almost all of their games on the Switch, which is a weird thing to port, but some of them are really good. Uh, so the ones of those that I specifically think are worth checking out, if you want a more sort of graphically rich and maybe a little more modern shooter with some 3D elements, uh, would be um, Strikers 1945, Zero Gunner 2, and Gunbird 2. All three of those games are great. I played a lot of Zero Gunner 2 and Gunbird 2 on the Dreamcast back in the day, and those games are really good shooters. Um, with beat-em-ups, you've got Basically, a lot of options. Uh, the biggest one would be that Capcom has a beat-em-ups collection, and uh, it's 20 bucks. It's on the eShop. Unfortunately, it does not have a physical release, or I would already have that. I love buying physical releases of these things, but the, uh, the beat-em-ups collection from Capcom, 20 bucks includes like seven games, including Final Fight and Captain Commando. Both of those are awesome side-scrolling, sort of belt-scrolling beat-em-up games. If you liked things like the X-Men and Turtles games and maybe even things like uh, like Sunset Riders, check those out. They're great. Uh, and if you want something a little more retro, there's Double Dragon 1 and 2 in the Arcade Archive series and also Renegade, which is a uh, kind of a janky but really interesting game that was the beginning of the Kunio-kun series. So if you liked uh, River City Ransom, for example, this is that same series. It's just a little different with uh, kind of a Americanized sprite work. 
if you like old classics, so if you are the person who walks up to that arcade machine and only wants to play Pac-Man, pick up the Namco Arcade Pack or the Namco Museum Arcade Pack. It's uh, it's not the biggest Namco Arcade Namco Museum re- release ever, but it is a really well done one. And if you get the physical version, so it includes a bunch of really good stuff. It's got Dig Dug, it's got Pac-Man, it's got Galaga, it's got, I think, Galaga 1980, whatever. Um, it's got Splatterhouse, which is great. Uh, Rolling Thunder, so really good stuff. And also, if you pick up the physical version, it includes Pac-Man Championship Edition 2 Plus, which is a really good modern version of Pac-Man that you might want to check out. Obviously, if you like racing or driving games, OutRun is probably the thing to check out. But if you like Endless Runners, if you like a mobile game type and you like the Endless Runner genre, uh, those actually kind of have their origin in the old school arcade games. And one that I would recommend checking out that I really love to play is called Moon Patrol. Moon Patrol basically plays like an endless runner. You're always driving forward in a little moon buggy, but it's got guns and it can jump and it's very cute and fun. Love that game. Uh, If you like platformers, uh, there's actually a lot of pretty good platformers in arcades, and some of them are available on the Switch, uh, ones that I think are particularly worth checking out. Athena, which is part of the arcade archive, uh, sorry, the, the, uh, actually, this is kind of a weird one. For some reason, Athena was released by Hamster as an arcade archive release as a solo download, and it's also part of the SNK 40th anniversary collection. That collection is really good, so if you, you know, want to get some other games along with it, go with that. Um, but that game is a great platformer. You're playing a like little woman with a sword who starts out in a bikini, but you can upgrade to armor. Um, and it's got a pseudo sequel called Psycho Soldier, which is starring the same character, but she's in the future. I don't know. But both of them are pr- pretty good. I've actually not played Psycho Soldier, but I, I recommend Athena for sure. Also, Bomb Jack is pretty fun. If you don't mind very hard platformers, the jumping physics in that are just weird and interesting. It's kind of a weird dead end of platformers. And uh, Ninja Kid is supposedly pretty good. I also like Rygar. Rygar, the, uh, if you've only ever seen or played the NES version, the arcade version of Rygar is completely different. It's much simpler. It doesn't include any of the uh, sort of RPG-ish elements or exploration elements, but it is a really cool arcade uh, like combat platformer. If you like puzzle games, uh, there's not a whole lot apart from the stuff on the and the Neo Geo. The Neo Geo had some good puzzle games, um, specifically Magical Drop, Money Puzzle Exchanger, and Puzzle Bobble. Warning, if you're sensitive to random boobs in games, just Google them first. Yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, both Magical Drop and Money Puzzle Exchanger are very anime with lots of anime titties, uh, which... <laughs> Might bother some people, um, but they are good puzzle games. And uh, I mean, they they seem really good. I just I it's a personal wonder why I don't like them. Hey, it's a perfectly reasonable thing. Like, check out the games before you play them. <laughs> yeah, just just look, just do a Google if you're like, oh, I love puzzle games. Like. Just maybe check. Yeah, but I will say like Money Puzzle Exchanger in particular is one that I've played quite a bit of. And it's got a kind of a fun uh, like dropping mechanic where you're you're combining coins of various denominations uh, in order to kind of cash them out. It's a pretty cool game. And then, of course, Puzzle Bobble. It's on the, on the store as Puzzle Bobble, but U.S. players will probably know it better as Bust-A-Move. I don't know why they renamed it in translation, but it was the sort of... Uh, uh, puzzle spinoff of puzzle or of um, bubble bobble so it's got the little no uh, no anime there it's all the little uh, bub and bob the little dinosaur guys so if you uh if you're familiar with that and snood for the 2000s kids yeah totally that game has been imitated 
endlessly. No idea when that was. It seems like yeah. half of the uh, half of the games on the App Store are some kind of imitation of Puzzle Bobble. Um, but if you want the original, then uh, check it out here. It's got the the original Neo Geo version of both Puzzle Bobble one and two, and they're both out. So they're both great. Um, if you like sports games. 2020 Super Baseball. <laughs> I guess so. Um, Do not pass go. Yeah, so I'm not an expert on sports games, so I can only speak from my experience, but I'm a big fan of Windjammers, which has... So Windjammers was a Neo Geo game, but interestingly enough, it's not part of the Arcade Archives uh, Neo Geo release series. It has a full port from .emu or .emu or whatever, how they pronounce their company name. Um and it's a really solid port with like slightly upgraded graphics. I think they just sort of switched to widescreen. It's still got the original pixel art, but it's got online multiplayer. If you haven't seen Windjammers, it's basically uh, a fighting game where you're throwing flying discs at each other. So it's kind of a cross between tennis, ultimate frisbee, and Street Fighter. Um, and it's a really fun, interesting game. And you can play it online, which is unusual for most of these. Um also, if you like golf, which I do, it's sort of the only sports game genre I actually play. Neo Turf Masters is pretty okay. Um, Ringing endorsement. Yeah. I mean, if you really want a golf game on the Switch, there's probably others. Just buy Golf Story. Oh, yes, golf of course. Story. What are they thinking of? Don't play this. Play Golf Story instead. But if you want an arcade version for some reason, this is there. Um, continuing on the list, if you like party games. I would recommend checking out Pac-Man Versus. This was originally released on the GameCube, uh, and it is a versus game where uh, one person plays Pac-Man and everybody else plays ghosts. And the design with the Switch is that you've got two, you play with two Switches, one person plays as Pac-Man and they have a separate screen and all the ghosts play on a different screen. Uh, and they've done this in a really clever way where only one person has to own the game. They have a separate download that's a free download that only works as sort of the player two version of the game. So uh, that's out and it's really neat. Uh, so previously you had to buy a GameCube special, you had to have a, uh, a Game Boy Advance for everyone playing as a ghost and you had to have special controllers to connect the Game Boy Advances to the GameCube so that you'd have all these screens involved so everybody had their own screen. You no longer have to have that, you just have to have two switches and a Wi-Fi connection. So that's a huge advancement. I'm really glad they re-released this as is. Um, if you like fighting games, there's a lot of fighting games on the Switch already, but the, probably the, the retro ones or arcade ports, keeping only to things that have actually been out on an arcade cabinet. Uh, Street Fighter, there's the 30th Anniversary Collection, as well as Ultra Street Fighter 2, which is supposedly kind of, kind of like an uh, ultimate version of uh, Street Fighter, or Street Fighter 2, rather. Um, there's a lot of Neo Geo fighting games as well. The ones that are probably most notable would be the uh, Garu Mark of the Wolves, um, the King of Fighters series, all of them are on on Switch. And uh, if you want an oddball option, Waku Waku 7 is real weird. And um, finally, if you want run and gun games, if you liked things like uh, like Contra or Metal, Slug. or Metal Slug or things like that. Yeah, Metal Slug, all of the Metal Slug games, I think, are on Switch now as part of the Arcade Archives series. But there's some other stuff that you might not have checked out. Uh, Shock Troopers for the Neo Geo is very good. Don't play the sequel. It's not. It's not good at all. But the original Shock Troopers is great. Um, Ikari Warriors 1 and 2 are out as part of the SNK 40th Anniversary Collection. And that's very notable because those were games that used a special loop lever joystick. Uh, so that's a, a joystick that's mostly broken down by now. It was sort of before they figured out twin stick shooters. And so you had a single joystick that you would move left, right, up, down to move your character around and you would twist the joystick left to right to, to aim. Um, 
if you play this game on MAME today, it doesn't play right because they couldn't really emulate that. Well, the people at uh, at Digital Eclipse uh, took the time to basically rewrite the code of this game to turn it into a twin stick shooter, which is different from the original, but is much, much more playable. So this is probably the first time you've ever been able to play Akari Warriors 1 and 2 kind of as intended on a console. Really exciting. And of course, if you like uh, spies and super classy, cool dudes wearing very 60s suits. Um, I like check it. out Rolling Thunder 1 and 2. Those are part of the Namco Museum collection, and they are really fun. They're cool spy I shooters. I with that one. <laughs> yeah. So that was my quick roundup. Uh, my throat's sore, so somebody else take us out. <laughs> well, let's get into what's making us happy this week. We have a segment at the end of our show where we just like to uh, add a little positivity to our lives. I'll kick it off this week because I'm feeling really great. This week, I have started the final fight, the big ending to one of my two Dungeons & Dragons campaigns. This is a Dungeons & Dragons campaign that has gone on for uh, two and a half years and Ooh. is now capping out at, I believe, level 12 uh, with a epic fight against a ancient blue dragon named Yimrith. So I'm very, very happy with how that's going. Uh, it's very epic. Uh, we got through one whole session that's just nothing but literally the first half of that fight. So good times. Nice. Excellent. Love a good dragon fight. I sure do. I sure do. Laura, what's making you happy? This week, I'm really excited because I discovered the British panel show Taskmaster. It is a show where um, a dude gives a panel of five comedians uh, stupid tasks to do. It might be things like draw a horse while riding a horse. Or, <laughs> like, That's actually another great. one was like, rescue this cat from a tree, best cat wins. And they look for the cat for a few minutes and realize it's a stuffed animal. And also it's like, way way up in the tree um <laughs> there might be things like this is a watermelon like in the next room you'll there'll be a watermelon your job is to eat as much of the watermelon as you can in 60 seconds and only one of them realizes that it's going to be a whole watermelon and he finds a knife before he walks in <laughs> and other people just take it and they throw it on the table and they eat it another woman just was like oh, I thought it was going to be like a melon buffet and I would just eat. <laughs> she just kind of wanders around. So it's, everybody on it is a comedian, which is what makes us better than it would be on the US show. Uh, there's like eight seasons of it and it's not streaming anywhere, but if you go to the Reddit, our panel show, there are links and I'll leave it at that. Awesome. May maybe one of those links will find its way into our show notes. It is one <laughs> of the funniest smartest stupid shows i've ever seen that sounds like so you sent you sent um in the chat you sent me a uh, a video of them um what was the challenge it was like imitate yes. a classic arcade game apropos yes. so for this i episode. haven't gotten that it's like in the six or seventh season they wanted to ask is um make a physical version of a classic video game you have one hour and then you show all the videos um, and they're wonderful. That's the only one I saw, but it was definitely, it sold me on it. It was great. Yeah. Uh, so what's making me happy this week is pretty simple. Um, we had, uh, so my brother-in-law visited us and, uh, and he brought a cake 
And that cake was amazing. And so I wanted to mention how good this cake was because it was the <laughs> highlight of my week. Uh, so this is the berry chantilly cake from Whole Foods. So if you have a Whole Foods near you, go in and pay the $22.99 or $30 depending on size and get yourself a berry chantilly cake. It is amazing. It is the best cake I've had in a very, very long time. So it's uh, it's got moist cake in layers separated by chantilly basically whipped cream icing and uh it, and it's got berries in there in the middle plus it's got a bunch of berries on top and the berries are glazed and they're shiny and tasty and sweet and it is the best cake i've had in a very long time so that's my what's making me happy this week is the berry okay. chantilly cake from whole foods everyone should go get one that sounds great i'm not a big cake person but you've convinced me i also love that you had the price points appreciate I, the I, research. I am a big cake person and blending into society has been hard. <laughs> I'm so happy for you, Shane. <laughs> got, that, that was good. That got me. Um, okay, making me happy. Shane's joke. Um, imagining a big cake person. Um, also, so... I, over the weekend, I tried to make a cast iron pizza. And while there's your first mistake, wrong ingredients, (laughs) a pizza made inside of a cast iron, uh, you know, uh, like skillet, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and it was, I love my cast iron skillet. That's the shit. It was mediocre, but But it makes me happy to try things like that. And I now I know uh, how to make it better next time. So I will. Oh, Nate, you're such a good person. <laughs> <You're>... <laughs> I, will, I will make it better next time. And also, I, I am starting um, to plan since I am moving soon to a, more, a house that will be uh, ours and a more permanent residence. I'm going to build a brick oven uh, in my backyard. Oh, my God. So that's awesome. Stuff. I've started uh, that research. Oh, that's because, awesome. Okay. Yeah, uh, I want that. Party at your house. We're all having pizza. That sounds amazing. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. We will be back with another episode very soon. You'll be hearing more from us about other arcade games we've played since we've got a few of those left over and we obviously ran out of time. Uh, But we'll have lots of other short games coming up uh, in our more traditional format. If you, listener, have a short game for us that you think we ought to check out, either one that's on the horizon that you think might be interesting and you're interested in hearing somebody's take on it, or if you've played a short game, something under 10 hours and you really like it, uh, let us know. We're specifically looking for recommendations. That's how we get most of the, choose most of the games we cover on this show. And hey, also, if you have arcade games on the Switch that you think are good, I want to play them. So let me know what you're playing, and uh, we will probably talk about them on another episode of this show. That's been it for the short game. You can find our show on Twitter at underscore short game, or you can find our website at www.theshortgame.net, where you'll find a contact form, great way to get in touch with us, as well as our searchable show notes page, where you can search our entire back catalog of episodes for a game or topic that you're interested in. Uh, Of course, uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Laura, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. And Nate, where can people find you? 
You can find me on Twitter at NateSTL. And if you want to contribute to my future brick oven, you can find me on the Cash App at NateSTL. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, uh, we should all we should all uh, share our Cash App. I, I will reserve tags. you a slice. <laughs> and uh, Shane, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at 8BitShane. And thank you once again for joining us on this episode of The Short Game.